Thank you. It is great to be here. I'm uh, here with my wife, Eileen, sitting in the front row there. Yes, we're here on vacation. Our daughter uh, married an Aussie, and uh, they live in Como. And uh, so it's been great uh, watching the grandkids and uh, just spending some time here over the Christmas season. Uh, as Josh mentioned, we had the privilege of uh, hosting Josh and a team of Aussie pastors at Saddleback last month, and uh, we had a great time with them. So it's a privilege to be back here with you uh, to be able to share a few things with you this morning. As he mentioned, um, around Saddleback, for a while I was called Rwanda Bob. You know, um, some of you may recall that in 1994, in Rwanda, there was a genocide where a million people were killed in 100 days. That's 10,000 people a day being killed with machetes and clubs. 10,000 people a day being killed before church, during church, and after church. Choir members, worship team leaders killing worship team leaders, neighbors killing neighbors, relatives killing relatives. It devastated the entire nation. A few years later, President Paul Kagame, the president of Rwanda, read Pastor Rick's book, The Purpose Driven Life. Anybody here read that book? I see quite a few hands. And he said, I'm a man of purpose. I want to become a purpose-driven nation. We've been, uh, and so he invited us to come and work with them. And uh, we've been working there now for the last 15 years. Rwanda today has a, an up-and-coming strong economy. There is zero tolerance for corruption. There is nationwide church unity. And it is an incredible place to be. It is the cleanest country in Africa and one of the safest countries in Africa. And today, other nations, other nations have seen what's happened in Rwanda. And they've literally come to Southern California where we are. And uh, they've asked us, we said, they said, look, we've seen what's happened in Rwanda. Can you come and bring your training uh, to our country? And so now we've been finding like-minded partners. We said, look, we're just one church. We can't get to all 55 African countries ourselves but we'll find like-minded partners who will do the same. And so today we have partnerships in 28 of those countries and uh, 31 countries are about uh, ready to go uh, a little bit further. And so that's, uh, that's my little journey uh, on the global team at Saddleback Church. Of course, it's winter there at Saddleback. We had snow on Saddleback Mountain just behind our church. And uh, our, the, the mountain looks like the back of a horse. And so that's where you put the saddle, and that's how we got the name of our church. We asked about Christmas presents, um, and I'm thinking uh, we're here with the, with the grandkids. We have one grandkid child that's, that's five and one that's three. And my daughter came from Los Angeles out here as well, my other daughter, and um, she gave the grandkids a tie-dye kit. Are you familiar with tie-dye? Okay, and then she also gave them a few white t-shirts. And so um, my, my daughter is, a, is an artist and she's a designer, and so she said to the boys, look, we'll find a time when I can show you how to do tie-dye. Now, a couple mornings ago, before their parents woke up, they were busy in the lounge, the living room of their uh, house, 
And so they thought, we, this is easy, we can do this. So they got the t-shirts out, kind of crumpled them up and put them on the floor in the living room, and then opened up the, the plastic kit, and, the, and the, the bottles for the tie-dye were in like tomato sauce, you know, squirt bottles. So they, they, they got the little packets of dye out and poured it into the bottle, and then they, the, the bigger one went into the kitchen and, and, and filled them up with water. And you can imagine a three-year-old and a five-year-old standing in your lounge with squirt bottles squirting the, the shirts. Uh, and, and of course, it got all around, and then, and then they decided they didn't use the gloves that came with the kit, so then they went into the, to the toilet and got some tissue and then started trying to mop it up. And, and then when my, my daughter went into the, to the bathroom, she saw, well, this all purple in the, in the toilet. And then she didn't know, and she saw purple in the lounge, and so she didn't know if there was a shirt in there. So she had to kind of dig around in there to be sure before she flushed the toilet. But an interesting thing was the shirts looked pretty good. Uh, I, I was very impressed. And a few days later, my other daughter was able to uh, give them uh, something to do. So the thought there was, I can imagine my daughter saying to the kids, boys, what on earth were you thinking? Boys, what on earth have you been doing? And sometimes I think God says the same thing to us. Bob, what on earth were you doing in 2019? You know, do you ever wonder, what does God really want from me? What does God require of me? What does God expect from me? What on earth am I here for? We're going to talk a little bit about that today. In the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, God has let us know the mystery of his purpose according to his good pleasure, which he determined beforehand in Christ. You see, God has a plan and purpose for each of our lives. And the thing that I would not like to have happen is I get to heaven and God says to me, Bob, you did a lot of nice things while you were on earth but you really didn't do what I wanted you to do. So today we're going to talk a little bit about that. By way of introduction, three points. Life on earth is a test. Life on earth is a trust. And life on earth is a temporary assignment. Let me just unpack those three for you for just a minute. Life on earth is a temporary assignment. You know, you're not going to be here that long. So don't get too attached to this place. You know, compared to eternity, our life on earth is relatively short. And to illustrate that, I like to use this rope. Some of you are wondering if this was the rope I used to tie up the grandkids. No, it, it wasn't. Okay? So you can see this rope. It's a long rope. Can you see this blue part? This is your life. And this is the life that goes on and on into eternity. In fact, this would go, you know, all the way to the far side of the universe. And you know, a lot of times when we think about using our finances and our resources, we're only thinking about this little part of our life. You know, we grow up and we're in primary school, and then we go to secondary school, and then we go to technical school maybe or university. We get married, 
and uh, we start working, and, and some of us are just thinking about retirement and superannuation, and, and we get wrapped up in just this little part of this whole life of eternity. And oftentimes, when we're making investments with our money, and we're thinking about uh, how we're going to spend our time, we're just thinking about this part of our life right here. And, and I think we need to be thinking more about what's going to be happening as our life goes on beyond the grave. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 14 says this, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to our everlasting home in heaven. Secondly, life on earth is a test. Every day you're being tested. Every day you're being tested. It could be a small test. It could be something like, are you, are you maybe tending to cheat on your income taxes or pad your expense report? Or maybe you've had a huge test. Maybe the doctor says, you've been diagnosed with cancer. Or maybe you're going through a bankruptcy or a possible divorce. We're being tested all the time. And the good news is, God wants you to pass those tests because he gives rewards for passing tests. Everything that you do on earth has implications for eternity. You see, God is looking for those people that he can trust. And through these tests, your character is both developed and revealed. You know, we are kind of like toothpaste tubes. You know, if I have a toothpaste tube and I unscrew the cap and I start applying pressure to the outside, what happens? I get toothpaste all over my knuckles. What happens is this, when you apply pressure from the outside, what's on the inside comes out. And so through these tests, our character is revealed as well as being developed. Luke chapter 16, verse 11 says this, if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And then thirdly, life on earth is a trust. Life on earth is preparation for eternity. You see, we both have good and bad experiences in life, and God can use those for his, our benefit and his benefit as well. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 says this, God is using your sufferings to make you ready for his kingdom. God has given us abilities and talents and relationships and opportunities. And he's looking for each of us to be good managers of those things that he has entrusted to us. That is part of our responsibility on earth. Now, as we look forward to 2020, I'm going to talk about five quick things that God will expect of you in 2020. They're going to be simple but they might be challenging as well. Number one, God wants you to love Him. God wants you to love Him. Matthew 22, 37 and 38. In this passage of Scripture, it's commonly called the Great Commandment. And this is what Jesus is telling us, and this is the first half of that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. This is your number one thing in life. 
God loves us deeply, and he wants us to love him back. And of course, it's your choice whether you do that or not. Psalm 149 verse 4 says, The Lord takes pleasure in his people. I remember when our girls were young, just you know, one or two years old, and you would sit there watching them sleep. And they'd have their little eyes closed, little smile on their face, and their chest would go up and their chest would go down. Chest would go up and chest would go down. And we just loved those girls, not because they did anything for us, but just we just loved them for who they were. And you know, when I think about God, our Father, He loves each and every one of us just for who we are. And He's just asking us to love Him back. Number two, and this is the second part of that great commandment. God wants me to love others. Matthew 22, verse 39, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, as church people, we need to be living in community. You can't really live the Christian life uh, by yourself. And as you learn to live in community, um, God teaches you things about yourself that you wouldn't know otherwise. Now, in our church, we have a very large church, and so we say as our church grows larger, it has to grow smaller through small groups where we do life together. Now, the challenging thing about small groups is this. Not everybody in your small group may be likable, but God doesn't say that you, you, you have a pass for them. You have to like everyone. Now, I don't know, I'm sure you don't have any people like that here, but around our church, we have what we call EGR people. Do you have any of those here? EGR people? Extra grace required. Okay, those are the heavenly sandpaper that rub the, the rough edges off of you. And I've got to say, we, we had one lady in our small group that was just an EGR person. And um, it was like, oh, honey, do we really have to go to small group again tonight? But um, anyway, we worked through it. And, uh, you know, and you might say, well, gosh, in my small group, there's no EGR person. Well, that's probably you then, okay? <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. You know, I don't know about Australians, but as independent Americans, we really don't believe this. We really sort of think that we can just live life on our own. These EGR people kind of grate on your nerves sometimes, but God says love them. He doesn't say only love the lovable. He says you need to love the unlovable. And this means people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different races. You know, at our church, we say that we, we are um, color-blessed we speak over a hundred languages at our church. And uh, we say that this, if you don't like people from other backgrounds and cultures, you're gonna hate heaven. Because we know that there's gonna be every tribe and tongue and nation there. So we say it's a great place to, um, to get to know other people from other places in church because it'll be preparation for eternity. Now, California is a big state. It's a long, narrow state. We have uh, about 40 million uh, people that live there. We also 
have the largest living organism on planet Earth that's living in California. And that, of course, are the giant sequoia trees. These trees are over 115 meters high, okay? And the trunk of the tree at the base is, is eight meters, so in diameter, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, you may have seen pictures uh, of, of, of one tree that actually had a, a cutout where you could drive a car through the trunk. That's over 25 meters in circumference. They weigh over 725,000 kilograms, okay? Now, you would think that the tallest trees on the planet would probably have the deepest roots. I mean, that would make sense. The interesting thing about sequoia trees is they have very shallow roots, and they live in groves of trees, and the roots interconnect together. And as the wind blows, they hold themselves up together. They're not in isolation. And I think that's a great picture of what our church should be, uh, working together, holding each other up as the storms of life come and, and affect each one of us. So what does God want from you in 2020? Number one, he wants you to love him. Number two, he wants you to love others. And number three, he wants you to become like Jesus. You might say, well, that's a pretty tough order to become like Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says this, in your lives you must think and act like Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about it? You are as spiritual as you choose to be. You know, if you want to become, quote unquote, more spiritual, you need to spend more time in the Word, you need to spend more time with other believers. But um, God's ultimate goal for you on earth is not your comfort. It's your character. Think about it. You're not going to be taking your car to heaven. You're not going to be taking your career to heaven. The only thing you're taking to heaven is your character. And so God is more interested in your character than he is your comfort. 2 Corinthians chapter, two, no, chapter 3, verse 18 says, And the Spirit of the Lord works within us. We become more and more like him. You see, the only way that you can become more like Jesus is to allow the Holy Spirit to empower you and to enlighten the scriptures for you. That is what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is the one who can make those changes in your life. So we want to love God. He wants us to love others. He wants us to become like Jesus. And number four, he wants us to serve him. Number four, serve him. How do we serve God? We serve God by serving others. You see, God has uniquely shaped you for service. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, God made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works, which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. And then... If you look over at Colossians chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that what <clears throat> you will receive an inheritance from the Lord 
as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You need to discover your shape. Do you guys talk about shape here much? Uh, at Saddleback, in, unless it's an acronym, we don't really think it's blessed of God. And so we have all sorts of acronyms, and one of them is shape. The S stands for spiritual gifts. As believers, we've each been given a spiritual gift or two, okay? The H stands for your heart or your passion. What do you really enjoy doing? And you know, we make a distinction at our church between recruiting and between mobilizing. For example, if Pastor Josh came to me and said, look, the, the people running the, the children's ministry today uh, were sick. Could you just step in and, um, and, and help with the children's ministry? Well, I could do that. I might last, you know, for the first half hour. Uh, but if you want me to continue to do that, uh, I'm not going to do that. So you can recruit me for one time. But unless you find what I enjoy doing, I'm not going to be doing it for the longest time. So we like to make a distinction between recruiting and mobilizing people. So spiritual gifts, heart, A stands for abilities. God has given you certain abilities to use. P is personality. Some of us are quiet. Some of us are outgoing. Some of us like to be in front. Some of us like to be at the back. And then E is experience. Uh, the more years you're on this planet, you, you have more experience, sometimes good experiences, sometimes bad experiences. Don't waste a hurt. Sometimes God can use your hurt to minister to someone else who has the same kind of hurt. So we have coaches at our church that help you discover your shape. We have a shape profile that you fill out, and then once, once you, you've done that, they sit with you and they say, based on, on your shape, this is where we suggest that you get uh, serving in, in our church body and in the community. So think about it. It's never too late to make the rest of your life the best of your life by serving others. Okay? So what does God want you to do next year? He wants you to love Him. Then He wants you to love others. Then He wants you to become like Jesus. Then He wants you to serve Him by serving others. And lastly, He wants you to tell others about Him. Basically, God made me for a mission. Look at this. Jesus is speaking to the Father in John chapter 17, verse 18. And Jesus says to the Father, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. You see, you are made for mission. You're not made to just come here for an hour and a half on Sunday. You're made to live on mission the whole week as a, an ambassador of Christ. At our church, we say, every member on mission, every member a minister, with the ultimate goal, of course, of bringing glory to God. And of course, having Christ at the center of your life is key to all of that. Now, I would guess in a group this large, there's probably three kinds of people here this morning. Some of you are seekers. And um, thank you for coming and checking the whole thing out. Some of you are saints. You have been uh, walking with the Lord for many years, and you've been serving Him, and you're doing a great job. 
and then some of you are stumblers. You know, you've fallen off the wagon, and then you've gotten back on, and you've, you've tried to live the Christian life, and you just haven't quite gotten it all together. And I want to say to you this morning that faith is about trusting. Faith is not about trying. And for those of you um, who haven't received the gift of eternal life that Jesus brings at this Christmas season, uh, for those of you who haven't stepped across the line and trusted Christ, uh, let me pray this prayer for you. And um, as I pray out loud, you can pray this prayer in your hearts this morning. So please join us in prayer. Dear Jesus, I want to have a real faith in you. Thank you for dying for my sins and showing me the way to live. Lord, today I want to become a true believer in you. I want to follow your example. I want to accept your gift of grace. I need your forgiveness and I need your mercy. You made me for a purpose, Lord, and I want to invest my life in serving you. I want to trust your wisdom and strength, and I want to hold on to your promises when times are tough. Amen. And now for everyone, I'd like to conclude with this prayer of purpose. Please join me in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for creating me and loving me. Lord, I want to fulfill the purposes that you created me for. So Lord, starting today, I really want to get to know you and love you and trust you. I want to bring my life, I want my life to bring you pleasure, Lord, and I want to become part of your family. Help me to grow more like your son, Jesus, and to use my life to follow and serve you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. And in the weeks ahead, Lord, help me to understand your vision and your mission for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen.